Welcome back, Pewter Pirate Nation. I'm Mike Davis here at PewterPirates.com. It's another A Few Extra Bucks podcast with myself and Buccaneer Insider Roy Cummings, who we're going to bring in here in just a bit. We'd like to thank our title sponsors, House of Brews and Lutes. Of course, Northdale Mabry on the corner of Van Dyke and Northdale Mabry. Not your average neighborhood bar. They are so much more great food, great service. And another title sponsor is Sea Dog Brewing Company. Boy, if you want to hit a great place at Treasure Island or Clearwater on the beach, great combination of uh, great brews and great food and great service as well. So we appreciate House of Brews. We appreciate Sea Dog Brewing Company. And we appreciate our esteemed producer, Justin Thomas, from our new PewterPirates.com, a few extra bucks studios in Salt Lake City. Justin, how you doing? Pretty good. How are you all? I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, well, we're going to have kind of a theme in this one. For the past few podcasts, and this is a relatively new podcast, but we've talked about uh, the Buck starter the last three years. Uh, in this podcast, we're not going to mention uh, the names that, that kind of rhyme with uh, Ramus Instan. Uh, we're going to be free of three in this podcast. We're not going to talk about the guy who was the starter the last three years. We've talked about him enough. I think recently, Roy Cummings. Uh, I guess if either one of us says his name, uh, we have to find find ourselves, huh? In this podcast, <laughs> at least, right? Okay, works for me. Yeah. Well, this could be uh, challenging, but uh, I think we're up to the challenge. <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, that's Roy Cummings, our Buccaneer Insider here on PeterPirates.com. He's covered this football team for over twenty years, and we really are proud to have him on board. Let's talk about the Bucks quarterbacks, though. Free of number three. You know, Dirk Cutter has really hyped up Ryan Fitzpatrick, and I'm always, uh, you know, kind of kind of weary of hyping anybody up after four or five days of training camp. But Ryan Fitzpatrick's done everything right. He's connected on a few nice deep balls to Deshaun Jackson. His look good arm-wise, and he said all the right things. Uh, here's what Ryan Fitzpatrick said, uh, really thrown in a situation, but if, if anybody's going to be thrown in this situation, it's a guy who's played this long in the NFL. He seems ready for the task at hand. I, I think the biggest thing in all of this is just we're all professionals and you know just communicating every day as well in terms of the reps and what's going on. And uh, you know I'm fortunate enough to have played in a lot of games and sometimes playing in a lot of games where I didn't get any preseason reps with the ones or you know, training camp, off-season reps was the one. So uh, I can kind of go about it both ways. The thoughts of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Roy, when you talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick, I thought when the Bucks acquired him a year ago, I'm thinking, boy, this guy's really overachieved. I mean, he's a Harvard guy, uh, the only guy from Harvard who's played quarterback in the NFL, really. And he's played with house money for a long time, but he continues to survive. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts of Ryan Fitzpatrick? Well, I think the best thing about him is that, you know, he's a guy who uh, is clearly he's been around the league for a number of years. I don't think there are a lot of guys, you know, really in the league in his position as a backup who, who have that, as much experience as he has. He's been a starter. He's been in playoff races. Um, he's stepped in for starters and played for, uh, you know, played for guys uh, who are obviously ahead of him. And he's won jobs. Uh, you know, the Buccaneers, uh, when they when they picked up Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, the whole idea was to have somebody in place who they could turn to in case their designated number one starting quarterback went down for some reason, was lost to, you know, to the team for some reason, and that's what's happened. And um, so th- this is exactly what it was that the Bucks were thinking of, trying to protect themselves against the situation that they're in right now is exactly the kind of thing that they had in mind 
um, you know, not specifically, obviously, but, you know, the need to turn to a, a veteran backup uh, who's been there, who's done it, who's been through the wars and, and can deliver for you. And he proved it last year that he can deliver for him. And, you know, so I, I think uh, the Buccaneers are in good shape with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think they're in better shape than a lot of other teams in terms of a backup quarterback. And I'm anxious to see how he does. Well, Dirk Cutter, Bucks head coach, has had a lot of great things to say about Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, he was adamant saying, you know, if you think we're going to lose a beat with Ryan Fitzpatrick as our starting quarterback for the first three games, if you think we're worried about it, well, that's not the case, paraphrasing him. Here's more what Dirk Cutter said about Ryan Fitzpatrick feeling the guy who's the veteran, as Roy just said, is the perfect guy to handle a situation the Bucks are in when it comes to their signal caller. When a backup quarterback is brought to a team, especially a veteran, the coaching staff tells him that he's there to be the backup, right? To be the backup, to support the starter. Well, that, that's not the case right now. So, you know, Ryan, I think I think we'll see and I think the players will, will feel what I saw way back many years ago, the type of leader Ryan is when, when it's his show. The thoughts of Dirk Cutter on Brian Fitzpatrick. Now, you know, some cynics out there might say, Roy, that's coach speak. Of course he's got to back Ryan Fitzpatrick. But even the first press conference – when people were asking him about Ryan Griffin possibly pushing Ryan Fitzpatrick, he kind of brushed aside that. I mean, you know, a lot of people thought that may be a competition, me included. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. But is this more than coach speak, you think? No, I don't think it is. I mean, you look, you can easily say it sounds like that. I mean, Dirk Cutter is going to be as confident or more positive as he can at this point. But again, I, I just go back to the fact that this is a guy who was starting in the NFL two years ago. Um, didn't have a very good season, but before that he did. And again, this guy has been there. And here's the other thing. When you've got a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick, who you know what he's good at, and this is one of the things Dirk Cutter is very good at. One of the things things that made Dirk Cutter one of the best coordinators in the NFL for so many years before he became the head coach with the Buccaneers was the fact that he was a guy who knew how to play to his team's strengths. He's a guy who knew... This is what my quarterback, my running backs, these receivers are capable of. This is where they're good, and this is where they're bad. If I go down this road, it's going to be trouble. So we don't want to go down that road. We're going to stay in this lane. And what he does a very good job of is creating lanes for his players that allow them to succeed. And he did that last year with Ryan Fitzpatrick. If you go back and look at the games, when Ryan Fitzpatrick was in the lineup, they were a little bit different. They were structured a little bit differently than they were before he took over at quarterback. And the reason is he's a different quarterback, a different kind of quarterback than the player he replaced. And that's something that a lot of coaches, uh, everybody knows they usually have to do that. You, a lot of times teams try to get two guys that are the, exactly the same. Well, that's not the case with the Buccaneers. They don't have two quarterbacks who are the same. There's a big difference between uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick and the player that he's he's replacing for these first three games. So, in that case, you've got to have a system set up for him, a structure for him, and, a, and a, you know, a, obviously a, a game plan full of plays that work for him. And that's what that's where coaching comes in, and that's where Dirk Cutter and why Dirk Cutter is so confident and sounds so positive because he knows he's got a game plan that's going to work for Ryan Fitzpatrick that Ryan Fitzpatrick can execute. He's not going to ask him to do things that are going to take him down that bad road. He's going to keep him in the lane that he can stay in. And that lane is enough for the Buccaneers to win. Now, Ryan Fitzpatrick will need some help. But, you know, we saw it last year when Ryan Fitzpatrick, again, when he won a couple of games, when he rallied the Bucs in Arizona, 
uh, when he first came in. Uh, those are indications, or was it Minnesota? Those are indications. No, I was thinking the same thing. That Arizona game, they were getting outplayed, and Fitzpatrick comes in, and it was a different story at that yeah. time. He has the ability to, you know, to 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 you know, light it up a little bit once in a while. You know, when you talk about his experiences, it's you know, <laughs> I know you and I kind of shook our heads at the Fitzpatrick jinx because it seems like a lot of times in his playing career, you know, he's had quarterbacks get hurt, which has given him a lot of opportunities. Uh, now he has a different situation with a, a quarterback who we're not going to mention in this podcast, was suspended for three games. But he's been through really the whole gamut. But he admits this is a situation he never really expected. And I asked him about how his past can help his future in terms of uh, his experience helping him with the Bucks. How will all of those experiences help you in this situation? I always, you know, rely on that past experience. And, uh, you know, part of it, too, just, you know, we've got some superstar receivers here. And, you know, I always try to, in my head, you know, relate them to guys I've played with or, you know, combinations of guys I've played with and what has been successful for me with them. And I think with all that, just as I alluded to before, with the reps of quarterback and all that, open communication with those guys, um, that's something over the years that I've, I've really uh, grown to love and, and learned to do really well. And so uh, I think leaning on plenty of that past experience, not just on the field, but in, in how you treat guys or how you deal with guys, whether it's up front or, or receivers or with different personalities, uh, that's, that's something I think good experience that I have. You know, Mike, so, something something Ryan Fitzpatrick said in that clip there really says it all. This is a guy who understands that it's not all about him. Yep. That's something you learn as you go on as a quarterback. You know, one of the big, toughest things for a quarterback to learn in the NFL, any quarterback to learn, no matter the, is when to give up on a play. One of the other tougher things to learn is that it's not all on you. A lot of times, all you have to do is get the ball into the hands of the right people and let them take care of it. You know, you've got 10 other guys out there that are that are worried so it doesn't all have to be on you and sometimes that's, that means just handing the ball off to a running back you know if the offensive line is playing well that day and you've got good matchups sometimes all you got to do as a quarterback is make sure you're in the right play handing the ball off to the running back and then when it's time to throw you know don't try to force the a bad play uh take the good play and take what the defense gives you and a lot of times uh you see it with young quarterbacks all the time and this is why a lot of young quarterbacks particularly in, in the backup uh, phase of things don't succeed because they don't know that, hey, all I got to do is throw this six yard hitch yeah. and that's going to get us a first down. That's right. going to get us that's going to give us second and one. And, we're, you know, we're, we'll, we'll, we'll take it from there. I mean, that's sometimes that's all you got to do, you know, and um, Ryan Fitzpatrick realizes that. And that's where his experience and the fact that he knows he's surrounded by a lot of talent comes in and why the Buccaneers should feel pretty good about this situation, really. And frankly, that's what's wrong with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's predecessor in this offense. Uh, we won't uh, go into details, but he, of course, he had a problem with everything you're just talking about. I want to talk about the other Ryan real quick, uh, Roy. You look at Ryan Griffin. He's got to be wondering, when am I ever going to get a break? I mean, he started his career and he was fortunate. He wasn't drafted, but he went to a good situation in New Orleans. You know, a local guy played Tulane, so he didn't have to, you know, <laughs> relocate or anything but then he's playing you know under Drew Brees Sean Payton and it has some really high moments in the preseason comes here looks like he's making some headway last year pushing Ryan Fitzpatrick a little bit but gets hurt but then it kind of had to would had to sting him a little bit in the opening press when Dirk Cutter says you know basically 
something really dramatic would have to happen for like thunder behind me right there uh, for Ryan Griffin to maybe crack this lineup. And, uh, you know, and, and on the other side of the coin, you know, Dirk Cutter said they don't anticipate on picking up any more veterans this preseason. So how about this? Ryan Griffin, is he ever going to take an NFL snap? He's been, this is his fifth season in the NFL. And also if something happens to Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, you know, the keys to the car go to Ryan Griffin. So the Bucks are kind of rolling the dice somewhat. Do you think they should pick up a veteran? And do you think Griffin could handle it if he had to take over? Yeah, I think I can answer the the first question by answering the second. My answer is yes. I think the Buccaneers feel very confident in Ryan Griffin. I'm a, To be honest, I'm a little surprised that this is not a competition between the two because, to me, those first three games are so important. Yeah. Um, you know, so I'm a little surprised that it's not a competition, but I also understand why. I mean, this is an opportunity. If you really want to give Ryan Fitzpatrick the, you know, the best chance to succeed here. He's probably the kind of guy who doesn't need to be pushed through a competition. He's going to probably be better if he just knows exactly what his role is going to be. Give him the game plan. Let him know what, you know, make sure you know what plays he's comfortable with and let him go out and execute them. Um, You know, and I think that's fair. As As far as Ryan Griffin goes, look, his opportunity may come sooner than a lot of people, you know, hope or want uh, or, or, or believe because, you know, at the end of the day, if Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't perform, um, I can't see the Bucks going more than a game or two, and you know, and, and that may not that may seem like a lot, but I mean, if if he hasn't performed in two games, and the Bucks are going into game three, and and he just hasn't done it, don't be surprised if they go to Ryan Griffin. I they, I think the Buccaneers are very confident in Ryan Griffin. No, he hasn't taken the snaps uh, uh, in the NFL, but he's going to get that opportunity now and um, in the preseason and. You know how he does there. I think will will tell the tale, really. But uh, I think the Bucks are very confident in what they've got in Ryan Griffin. It's one of the reasons they've kept him around. I don't think they need to go look for a vet, another veteran backup to back up the veteran backup because, um, you know, I'm not going to say because it's costly that, but all that that does have to factor into it. But at the end of the day, none of those quarterbacks will have the experience in this system that Ryan Griffin has. Don't forget, Ryan Griffin's been in the system for three years now, so. He knows the system. He doesn't have the experience, um, doesn't have the game reps, but he knows the system, and that's half the battle. But he's never taken a snap, not even a kneel down in the NFL. I mean, that, that that's almost unheard of being in the league for five years now. That's 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 uh, rarefied air a little bit. It is. There, there's no doubt. And and if he ever gets that opportunity, it's it's going to be a bit of a wake up call for him. Things are going to move fast for him. But you would hope that. Um, you know, through those five years, he's learned that again, much like Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, you know, don't try to do too much. Just, you know, run the play. Just go out there. I mean, you hear that, your coaches say it all the time. Just run the play. Just run the play. The play is designed to work. You know, if everybody does their job, the play will work. So you go out and make sure you do your job. Just run the play. Don't try to do too much. And if he sticks to that, I think he'd be fine. All right. What podcasts are fun for, Roy, are uh, hypotheticals. And I know we can't mention uh, number three's name. We're not going to do that in this podcast. But let's just say Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, goes. I don't think they're going to go three and zero. If they go three and zero, if they go two and one, two and one or three and zero, Dirk Cutter seems to have not guaranteed that his former quarterback would be there when he returns from his three game suspension. If Ryan Fitzpatrick goes three and zero or two and one, and you're Dirk Cutter, uh, do you play Ryan Fitzpatrick? You keep playing him. Well, it depends on how he's playing. If he's the reason they're three and zero, or one of the reasons, I definitely keep playing him. Look, 
it, it's about winning football games here. Uh, it, this is not a, a popularity contest. This is not about uh, securing a contract for the Buccaneers. Uh, at the end of the day, I don't think they care who their quarterback is if they're winning and winning consistently and getting to the playoffs. Uh, look, we saw it last year where backup quarterbacks can sometimes rally a team. And if this team rallies itself around Ryan Fitzpatrick, why not just keep riding the hot arm? If he's if he's winning, you bet you bet they'll stick with him, and they should. That was impressive, not saying the former quarterback's name in that answer. I give you a lot of props for that. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the hot-button topics uh, for the Bucks and really the first week of camp, Roy. Vita Vea had a calf injury, and at first it looked really scary. Uh, you know, has a boot on, kind of pushing around a little – uh, kind of a scooter at practice uh, after the injury, but it looks like it's not too serious. The good news for the Bucks is, A, it's not too serious, and, B, uh, I think the guy who you, has really stood out from your point of view has been Jason Pierre-Paul. So much for not attending OTAs, huh, Roy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so much for that being a concern. Look, he's looked great. Uh, I think I've said this a couple times. He looks like he's, it's the middle of November and it's third down and 10, and uh, he's going to get him. <laughs> I mean, he is playing every down hard. He looks great. Um, you know, he just he looks like something we haven't. Maybe maybe what it is that we're we're excited about is we haven't seen somebody like that on that right. edge for quite some time. I mean, he looks the part. He he he's, maybe Simeon Rice. Yeah, he's getting off the line. He's getting off the ball. He's got great burst, great speed. I mean, right now, and it's early. It's way early, but yeah. right now, you you really like what you're seeing out of Jason Pierre-Paul. I mean, he's showing these guys the way and. Uh, it looks like he can be a contributor, and that's what this team needs. And they, they need an impact contributor, and right now he looks like he could be an impact contributor. You know, it's it's always promising, though, even though it's early if it's from a veteran, because you know you've seen him on tape do great things in games. So the fact that he's doing it early, I, a lot of things are blowing up after a week in training camp, but I don't think you can blow that up. Now let's go to the rookies. You know, we mentioned Vita Vea. We'll keep an eye on him and see when he gets back. There's no timetable, but the Bucks are seemingly optimistic he'll return soon. Boy, they have these young corners. Uh, let's begin with MJ Stewart. Uh, you know, I know it's early, early, but Dirk Cutter has talked about the fact that MJ Stewart has already showed him what a smart player he is. MJ Stewart's going to be with us here on PeterPirates.com. He's going to give us a rookie diary, really take us through what he's going through on a week-to-week basis. Part of that rookie diary, I asked him, has there been any kind of welcome to the NFL, your head spinning as a rookie moment? And here's what he had to say. Was there a, uh, you know, every rookie's head is spinning. Was there a moment where, uh, you know, you were confused? Every rookie has to feel that way at some point the first week. Uh, I wouldn't say it's confusion. It's just progression, you know. It's more progression. You know, they, they throw in the playbook at you. You just got to take that learning curve and keep going with it and building every day. He sounds a lot more mature than your average rookie, Roy. Not not confusion, progression. Uh, you know, just just didn't skip a beat when answering that question. Uh, I know it's early, but uh, boy, if this guy can come through, that would be such a big deal for the Bucks. Well, it would, and uh, you know, because this team more than anything really needs depth uh, in the secondary. They need you know, because you you just you don't know what Brent Grimes is going to give you. I mean, you can you know base it on the past several years and say that Brent Grimes is going to be a Pro Bowler again, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, players his age tend to hit a wall, you know, suddenly. And uh, if that happens, well, then they got some issues because Vernon Hargraves has struggled, obviously. I mean, you know, we were watching practice the other day, Mike, and, uh, you know, we see Ryan Smith out there on, on the right corner. I, I think we all know from last year that was not a good setup for the Buccaneers. So um, if they can uh, get some guys, you know, one of these rookies, and if it's MJ Stewart, that's great. 
um, get one of these rookies to step up and give them some good, solid uh, snaps out there. Um, it's just going to make everybody else better. And at some point, you know, maybe push somebody out of a position. So uh, to me, it's all good. I, I think these are uh, all positives. Uh, the way we've seen MJ Stewart play, um, I, I think it's been exceptional right now. Carlton Davis, Paul, when you look at it, we, 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 a lot of people were impressed, uh, myself included, the way he, you know, didn't wasn't scared out there and was a quick learner like MJ Stewart, no TAs and and mini camp and had had some moxie out there, had some confidence. Boy, his size, he he, he could really be a, a difference maker. Boy, and, and Jason Light, uh, if he, you know, he has a real chance to to see a lot of these rookies make an impact. A lot like New Orleans had a year ago. New Orleans had five starters from their rookie class, and if you look at this rookie class, you know Vita Vea. You know, we've talked about MJ Stewart. You have Carlton Davis. Um, you know, you could, and then you have you know Ronald Jones. I mean, you're looking at the first and second round already. I know it's early, but boy, a lot of potential there, Roy. Yeah, there is. And and look, this is an area, and I've said it for a long time. I, I think Jason Light has done a very good job in the draft. I don't think he's done a bad job in free agency, to be honest with you. I mean, some guys don't work out, and it's like that with every team, and everybody wants you know. But that, that's what general managers are are, are graded on, but. Uh, at the end of the day, he's done He's done the job in the draft, in my opinion. I mean, he's had some misses. Um, but one thing Jason Light does uh, very well is he admits his mistakes early and moves on. Usually, I mean, you'll see, you know, these uh, some of these guys, you know, moved uh, as soon as uh, before training camp is done sometimes. And uh, certainly before the, the final roster is set. But this year, I mean, they need some of these guys to step up. They'll probably be a little bit more patient. And I think they have a reason to be because, look, let's face it, defensive back, outside of quarterback, and left tackle, probably the toughest position to learn in the NFL. And my, probably defensive backs tougher than left tackle, too. So uh, tough spot to learn. you got to be patient with these guys. you got to give them a chance to, to succeed, uh, which means they're going to fail a lot along along the way. But uh, I think the Bucks have a great opportunity here to develop a couple of really nice young corners in Carlton Davis and MJ Stewart, for sure. And finally, before we get to your highly anticipated three and out segment, uh, speaking of corners and speaking of news this week, you know, Vernon Hargraves had a, a cut on his leg, much like Brent Grimes did about a year ago. And he was back at practice uh, after missing a couple days. You know, to me, we talk about MJ Stewart. We talk about Carlton Davis. Uh, the caution is Vernon Hargraves, you know, how good he looked early on and how good he looked his rookie year and, and was injured and, and took a step back a year ago. Boy, he needs to be out there, Roy. Especially, that's got to be a, a tough spot for him right now because you know he's listed as a starter right now. But he's boy, he has some guys pushing him. He does. He's got guys pushing him, and uh, you know, in in a way, his uh, his history is pushing him because his history is that of a guy who, who seems to make a lot of plays in practice. At least that's what we hear from the coaches when we ask about it. Um, we see it in training camp, but uh, we get out to the games, and all of a sudden, it's like. You know where's the aggression? Where where's the he's not? Where's the risk taking? Where where's the uh, you know where's the speed and burst on the ball? Where's the confidence? And it, it just seems to disappear. So um, I'm not as interested right now in what I see in Vernon Hargraves in training camp workouts. I'm interested in what I see of him in games. I, I, we have to see a different player, a more confident player, a more aggressive player, uh, a more physical player. And, and if we see that, then I think they're going to be okay. But um, it, right now, it's the situation and the problem with Vernon, Vernon Hargraves to me seems to be all in his head. I think he's lost his confidence. Yeah, it um, seems so. Got to get that back if he can. I think he can be an impact player. I still believe that. Certainly, the talent is there. 
No doubt about it. Well, that's a quality analysis from our Bucks insider, Roy Cummings, but we're not done with you, Roy. It's a tradition here on a few extra bucks, and I don't think either one of us is going to get fined by saying the former starting quarterback's name, which is really impressive. I didn't know how that would work out. But here's your three and out segment, my friend. I don't give you these questions, and I know you're a baseball guy like me, right? We're big baseball fans. Oh, yes, absolutely. Okay, so the Hall of Fame's coming up in Canton, Ohio. I personally love the speeches. I love covering that event. And if I'm not covering it, I DVR it. I watch it live. Um, speaking of baseball, I watch the Cooper T- Cooperstown speeches. Makes me feel old seeing Chipper Jones and Jim Tomey are Hall of Famers, really. Um, I-, I love the old school guys like Jack Morris and Alan Trammell. Even Vlad Guerrero, who needed an interpreter, he had some funny things to say. I, I love these things, okay? So the Hall of Fame's coming up. So the three and out is all geared around the Hall of Fame, okay? Okay. All right. So this year, you have a great class. You have guys like uh, Erlacher and Ray Lewis. Next year, we know these guys will probably be in there. They'll be Ed Reed. Ed Reed's got to be in their first ballot. Tony Gonzalez, redefined the tight end position, has all the records. And I think even Champ Bailey's probably a given. All those guys. But out of these three guys, which one do you think should be the most deserving? These guys have been kind of on the bubble the last couple of years, right? You have Tony Baselli. You have Isaac Bruce, and you have Edgar and James. Out of those three guys, kind of bubble Hall of Fame guys, who should go in along with probably those gimmies? Um, I, I'm going to go with Tony Baselli. Um, I think he, uh, I think he kind of defined that uh, that organization in Jacksonville for a long time. Um, he was a great player, uh, lived up to every you know expectation I think that was heaped upon him when he first came into the league. Um, I'm going to go with Tony Baselli. The other two are solid candidates, but you know Tony Baselli should go. Uh, there's no question in my mind he is a Hall of Famer. I don't think there's enough linemen in the in the Hall. Um, you know, it, it's it's a team game, and it just seems like the Hall of Fame is for you know uh, obviously skill more skill players than anything else. Um, but I think Tony Baselli is a guy who, uh, who who did everything the way it was supposed to be done, and, and gave a team for a long time a chance to be uh, to be good and be special. And uh, he, he anchored a line there that, uh, that was pretty good for a long time. You know, it doesn't make for a good podcast. I say this every week that we agree. And it's funny, though. I don't like giving you the questions because I'm always interested to see what you would say. I think that makes for a better podcast. But I covered Tony Baselli in Jacksonville for for four years, and they were his good four years. And if Tony Baselli would have stayed healthy, he'd be a first ballot Hall of Famer, no doubt about it. You look at guys like Russ Grimm and some of those guys on the Hogs who were good but I think the reason they're in the Hall of Fame is because they played on great teams. I mean, Tony Baselli was an expansion pick, the first ever pick for the Jaguars. And, boy, I mean, he he was the immediate impact guy. I mean, he stepped into that huddle, and he was good right away. So I think he should already be in there, and I think his time is getting close. All right, our second down in our three-and-out segment, I'm going to take it back to the Bucks. Two guys you covered extensively for years. Who do you think is more deserving to be a Hall of Famer, Roy Cummings, John Lynch or Rondé Barber? It's a tough call, but uh, I've always said, I have long said, before they even, you know, before Rondé Barber was even done playing, I was saying that I believe Rondé Barber will get into the Hall of Fame before John Lynch for two reasons. Number one, uh, safeties just seem to have a hard time getting into the Hall, number one. Um, number two, in my opinion, Rondé Barber defines a position. He, the nickel corner, the slot corner position is what he played. It's where he really starred uh, as an NFL player. Granted, he played on the outside uh, as well. But, but when he became a slot corner 
Um, that's where he became special. That's what made him unique and, and, and elite was his ability to, to blitz from that slot corner position, play the run from that slot corner position, um, you know, pick off passes from that. So, I mean, he's got the numbers, uh, incredible numbers. And he, in my opinion, he defines a position that is now considered a starting position in the NFL. That wasn't the case 10 years ago. Uh, Rondi Barber made the slot corner position a starting position, and he was the he so far he's probably the best that's ever played the position. So um, I think he belongs in the hall right now. And he was durable. I mean, that guy barely missed games for years and years and years. Had 28 sacks and 47 interceptions. He had 14 touchdowns. Roy, I mean, the numbers they're Hall of Fame numbers. Yeah, no, nobody has the numbers that he has in terms of uh, you know taking the ball away, sacks, all that combined by a by a cornerback. Um, he's, he's got numbers that, uh, stand above everybody else. And that's another reason why he belongs. I, I like John Lynch a lot. He, he redefined the position in a lot of ways. And boy, he had his own style for sure. Uh, I think Ronnie Barber should be in first too. I have to agree with you. All right. Our third down in our three and out segment. Uh, you know, I hate doing this, but I think it makes for good conversation. Um, I picked some guys that are in the hall of fame that maybe aren't deserving, uh, of being in the hall of fame especially when you look at some guys that we've talked about who've had trouble getting in, like Tony Baselli and like a John Lynch, okay? I'm going to give you four names. And tell me of these four names, which do you think is probably the least deserving to be in the NFL Hall of Fame? All right, you have Art Monk, who was a great player, but, I mean, he was 35th all-time all in touchdowns. That's, that's, that's way down there. You have Lynn Swan, who was never in the top five in receptions or yards in his career, had some great Super Bowls, had some great splash moments, but his numbers really weren't up there with the best. Jan Stenerou, career 68.8 percentage in terms of kicks, Roy. That may get you cut in some NFL camps. I mean, Patrick Murray last year for the Bucks made 19 and 23, and he doesn't have a job anymore. Then you have Bob Greasy. I mean, I know the league has changed with all the passing numbers, and it's, it's really not fair to Bob Greasy to compare, but he was on some great teams as well. I don't know. You know, you look at, is, is Bob Greasy better than Archie Manning? I'm not sure of that. You know, so you have Art Monk, you have Lynn Swan, you have Jan Stenerou and Bob Greasy. Which one of those is least deserving in your eyes? You know, a lot of people believe that just, uh, you know, the longer you play, the, the more likely you are to get into the Hall of Fame. And I, I honestly think that Jan Stenerou got in because of that, because he was just around forever, you know. Yeah. And, and And some people believe that, you know, uh, durability and uh, length of a career is 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 worthy of a Hall of Fame nod, and I I believe that's the reason Jan Stenerud is in. But again, when you look at the numbers, they're not that special. And um, you know, look, kickers have always kind of gotten the short shrift when it comes to football, no doubt about it. But right. I would have to pick Jan Stenerud. I, I, look, I I think Art Monk is a Hall of Famer. Lynn Swan is a Hall of Famer in my opinion. Who's part of a great team, and I think without him, that, that team is not that great. Um, I just think Jan Stenerud at the end of the day, um, you know, if you're going to pick one out of that four, that would be my guy. I hate to, I hate to, hate to kick the kickers, but <laughs> at the end of the day, I got to kick the kicker here. He's got to get kicked out. I kind of snuck him in there. I agree. You know, you see Jan Stenerud, he had, he's kind of the Lynn Swan of kickers. His lifetime stats aren't that great, but he had a ton of kicks over 50 yards in a time where not many guys did that. And, but when you look at Morton Anderson, and, you know, Adam Vinatieri will be a first. He's got to be a first ballot Hall of Famer with all his clutch kicks and the guy's still kicking. It's amazing. You put their resumes against Jan Stenerud and Stenerud, and it's, uh, to me, not comparable. Well, listen, 
Uh, you're not going to be fine. You didn't say the former <laughs> starting quarterback's name. We were free of three. Roy Cummings, uh, you delivered once again. I, you know, we're going to start cranking these up twice a week, every Tuesday and Thursday during training camp. Uh, I really enjoyed it, and I really appreciate you. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, until next time, uh, we will talk to Roy Cummings down the road. Well, that wraps up our free of three. Yeah, we didn't mention his name, the former starting quarterback for the Bucks, because we talked about him so much in our previous three podcasts. We'd like to thank our producer in Salt Lake City, Utah, Justin Thomas. He's the reason we go on the air every week. Our sponsors, House of Brews and Lutes, Sea Dog Brewing Company in Treasure Island and Clearwater. One thing they have in common, great brews, great food, great service. Please, please uh, follow our title sponsors. They're great and we appreciate them. Uh, until next time, I'm Mike Neighbors. That is another rendition of A Few Extra Bucks here on PewterPirates.com. <laughs>